What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network. In the future, none of you are heroes. You're legends. Get driven. Stay driven. Welcome everybody back to the Bareback Facts. Today we're going to be talking about an, a pretty old legend actually. Um, predominantly spoken of in the southwestern United States. It's a story that can be dated back to the early days of the conquistadors. And it's one that's still debated heavily as to its original source material. So it's uh, going to be pretty interesting uh, it's, many historians of <clears throat> many historians of folklore uh, of, of southwestern American folklore uh, and Hispanic folklore, specifically Mexican folklore, still still struggle today dating this story as to how far back it goes. But uh, it's it's quite a fascinating story, and I hope you guys will enjoy it. Uh, it's the legend of La La Llorona. Um, pronunciation down this time. Uh, before I begin today. Um, I want to thank one of Totally Driven Entertainment's newest sponsors. He's a guy who's crazy. He's wacky. If you want to check him out on ChrisBradyPresents.com, it's great, great, uh, great website, great comedian. Check out his work. Uh, I often don't go to many commercial breaks in my show, which once we tend to get going, we just keep pushing right through. So I always make sure I throw somebody a bone when I can. Uh, Thanks, Chris Whaley, for you. We are we're proud to partner with you. Um, glad to have you on board with Totally Driven Entertainment. Now, uh, so we are going to dive right into this. Now, uh, La Llorona is a is is Spanish. It translates pretty well to in woman. It's been a part of Hispanic culture in the Southwest since at least the days of the conquistadors, at the very uh, very earliest. Uh, it's a t- she is a tall, thin spirit and is said to be blessed with natural beauty, uh, long flowing black hair, uh, said to wear all white and said to roam the rivers and creeks, creeks uh, wailing long into the night and searching for children to drag screaming to a watery grave. Uh, very cheerful stuff. So definitely want to check out ChrisBradleyPresents.com now, right? You can cheer up after you hear this story. Uh, now, again, there's a lot of debate as to whether where, where this story originated from. Uh, tales vary from source to source. The most common thread is that La La, La Llorona uh, is said to uh, be the spirit of a doomed mother who drowned her children, and she now spends eternity searching for them in lakes and rivers. Uh, La Llorona was christened. Maria, and born to a, present fa- to a peasant family in a humble village, 
Uh, and it was said that her startling beauty captured the attention of both the rich men and the poor men of her, the area in which she lived. She was said to have spent her days in her humble peasant surroundings, but in the evenings she would don her best white gown and thrill the men who admired her in the local fandangos. Uh, like to go to a lot of parties. Uh, these young men anxiously awaited uh, waited for her arrival, and she reveled in all the attention that she received. Now, uh, La Llorona had two small sons, however, and this made it difficult for her to spend her evening out. And Often, she left them alone while she cavorted with the gentlemen during the evenings. Now, one day, two small boys of hers were found drowned in the river. Now, according to legend, they drowned because of her neglect. However, many tellers of the tale will tell you that she drowned them of her own volition out of spite because they prevented her from living uh, the fast and loose lifestyle that she had become accustomed to. Now, there was another variation of the legend, and we're going to get into several variations of it. But in this other variation, La Llorona was a caring woman full of life and love who married a wealthy man who lavished her with gifts and attention. But after bearing him two sons, he began to change returning to a life of womanizing and alcohol and often leaving her for months at a time. He seemingly no longer cared for the beautiful Maria, he even, even talking about leaving her to marry a woman of his own wealthy class. When he did return home, it was only to visit his children, and Maria began, became devastated. She began to resent her boys. One evening, as Maria was strolling with her two children, on a shady pathway near the river, her husband came by in a carriage with an elegant lady beside him. He stopped and spoke to his children, but to Maria he said nothing, and then drove the carriage down the road without a second glance back in her direction. Now so embarrassed, so devastated was Maria at seeing this, she went into a terrible rage. Turning on her children, she seized them by their necks, and hurled them into the river. As they disappeared downstream, she realized what she had done and ran down the bank to save them, but it was far too late as Maria broke down into inconsolable grief, running through the streets of her village, screaming and wailing at what she had done. The beautiful La Llorona mourned them night and day. During this time, she would not eat and walked along the riverside in her white gown, searching for her boys, hoping they would come back to her. She cried endlessly as she roamed the riverbanks, and her gown became soiled and torn. And when she continued to refuse to eat, she grew thinner and thinner, and appeared taller, until she appeared to be a walking skeleton. Still a young woman, she finally died upon the banks of the river. Now, it is said that not long after her death, her restless spirit began to appear. Some say she walked along the banks of the Santa Fe River when darkness fell. Her weeping and wailing became a curse of the night, and people began to become afraid to go out after dark. She was said to have been seen drifting between the trees along the shoreline or floating on the current with her long white gown spread out upon the waters on many dark nights. People would see her walking along the riverbank and crying for her children. And so they no longer spoke of her as Maria. 
now they called her only La Llorona, the weeping woman. And children were warned not to go out into the darkness. La Llorona might snatch them, throwing them to their deaths out of rage that no one had come to help her find her children. That she had been left to her grief by her community. She would become a plague upon those same people. Through the, the, now, though these legends vary, the apparition is said to act without hesitation or mercy. The tales of her cruelty depend on the virgin, version of the legend that you might hear. Some say that she kills indiscriminately, taking men, women, and children, whoever is foolish enough to get close enough to her. Others say that she is very barbaric and only kills children, dragging them screaming to a watery grave. One story we hear comes from a boy. One variation of the tale we t- we've heard comes from a boy named Patricio Lugan, who whilst he was a child, he and his family claimed to have seen her on a creek between Mora and Guadalupe, New Mexico. As the family was sitting outside talking, they saw a tall, thin woman walking along the creek. She seemed to float over the water, starting up the hill before vanishing. Just moments later, however, she would reappear much closer to them and then disappear again. While the family looked for footprints, they found none and had no doubt that they had just seen La Llorona. Now, La Llorona has been seen along many rivers across the entire Southwest, and the legends become such a part of Hispanic culture throughout the United States that it is starting to spread. It's started to reach even beyond the Southwestern United States. Now, part of the legend is that those who do not treat their families well will see her, and when she appears, she will teach them a frightful lesson. Another story involves a man by the name of Epifanio Garcia, who was an outspoken boy who often argued with his mother and father. After a heated argument, Epifanio, along with his brothers Carlos and Augustine, decided to leave their ranch in Ojo de la Vaca to head the Via Real de Santa Fe. However, whilst they were on their way, they were visited by a tall woman wearing a black tapello and a black net over her face. Two of the boys were riding out in front of the wagon when the spirit appeared on the seat between them. She was silent and continued to sit there until Apfania turned his horses around and headed back home, at which time she said, I shall visit you again someday. Should you argue with your mother? In Santa Fe, New Mexico, the tall wailing spirit has been reportedly and repeatedly seen in the PR building, the Public Employees Retirement Association building, which is built on land that was once part of an old Indian graveyard and is near the Santa Fe River. Many people who have been employed there tell tales of hearing cries resounding through the halls and feeling unseen hands pushing them whilst on stairways. Others have reported hearing weeping throughout the night. La Llorona has been heard at night wailing next to rivers by many, and her wanderings have grown wider, following Hispanic people wherever they go. Her movements have been traced throughout the southwest and as far north as Montana along the banks of the Yellowstone River. According to some legends, 
we can trace La Llorona, ancient Aztec city of Tenochtitlan, the goddess Chicotl, take, taking the form of a beautiful lady draped in white garments. It is said that throughout the night she cried out in misery. Oh, my children, your destruction has arrived. Where can I take you? Now, many believe she was speaking of the future conquest of, of Mexico by the Spaniards, but there are some who say that La Llorona may be an immortal spirit that once a generation possesses a young mother and keeps the legend alive. Legend to the birth of a girl in 1505 named La Malinche, who was born in the Aztec province of Coetzcoatlán of a noble Aztec family. She was given to Mayan merchants as a slave. In addition to her mother tongue of Aztec, she learns to speak Mayan. Lamalinche gave birth to two twin boys by the name of Cortez. By a man by the name of Cortez. You may be familiar with Cortez, the conquistador. The king and queen of Spain, fearing that Cortez had betrayed them in his conquests and in, in building his empire, repeatedly asked him to return to Spain, and he refused, saying that he, if he leaves, they will lose their new territories. The king and queen sent a beautiful Spanish lady to convince him to return. The lady seduces Cortez, according to legend, in 1522, to return to Spain with his two sons, but, and Cortez would tell La Malinche, of his decision to return with his children and leave her behind. She realized the role she had played in helping Cortez massacre her people and prays to her gods for help. One of her gods appears to her and says, if you let him take your children, one of them will return and destroy your people. The night before Cortez's departure, La Malinche escapes with her children and Cortez's soldiers soon discover her absence and set out after her. Upon arriving at the lake that Mexico City now rests on, the soldiers surround La Malinche. And just as they are at the brink of capturing her, she pulls out a dagger and stabs both of her children in their hearts before dropping their lifeless bodies into the water. It was in this moment that, according to legend, La Malinche let out a heart-wrenching cry, Oh, my children. in reference back to the original words of the goddess who first spoke them. I've said that in that nine years later, around the year 1531, Lama died. And up to the time of her death, she was seen and heard near the lake weeping and wailing for her children. It was in this, it was in this year that she was supposedly given the name La Llorona, woman. Now, according to some texts, tellers of the tale, the first apparitions of of La Llorona come after the first apparitions of La Virgen de Guadalupe occurring in Mexico of the same year. In 1547, Cortez would die of dysentery, and in a letter preserved in the Spanish archives, Cortez writes, After God, we owe the conquest of New Spain to Dona Marina, 
which is La Melinche. Her name, and in Mexico, Melinche became a word denoting the word betrayal. In 1550, the first documented of appearance, documented appearances of La Llorona are said to have occurred after La Melinche's death occurs in Mexico City. She was most often seen on the night of a full moon wandering the streets wearing a white gown with a light veil covering her face. Her agonizing cries terrorizing everyone who lay eyes upon her or had the misfortune to hear her. It was said that her last stop was always La Plaza Mayor, where she lets out her most desperate and horrific cry after which she vanishes into the lake. From 1550 on, it is said that La Llorona continued to terrorize in the United States. Sightings of La Llorona spread throughout most of the Americas, with people in each town, city, and country believing she is local to their own area, creating a powerful and passionate belief in this horrifying apparition. During the 1970s, like many Hispanics in the U.S. and throughout Latin America, the director of the film The Cry, Bernadine Santi Steven, is told stories of La Llorona, a woman who betrayed by her husband drowned her children out of revenge in a nearby river. The punishment for this act was La Llorona's spirit is condemned to roam the earth for an eternity, crying out for her children and preying upon those unfortunate souls who find themselves outside after dark. Bernadine, along with other children in her small northern New Mexico town, is told that if she plays by the river alone or misbehaves, La Llorona will steal her away. In 1995, a woman by the name of Susan Smith was found guilty of murder of murder and the drowning of deaths of her two sons by strapping them in their car seats and rolling their car into the John D. Long Lake in South Carolina. And in a portrait made of Smith that comes late, that comes after her trial, which is published in the paper for her local area. She is referred to as a modern-day La Llorona. Now, The Cry, for those of you who don't know, is a film based on La Llorona by Bernadine Santisteven, and it is the search for the origins of this legend. So, uh, something... Something I would like to impress upon you is you might you might want to check that out if you find this particularly interesting. But I, I digress. We shall continue. La Llorona has been legend. Her, her legend continued to be spoken of. Uh, the direct again searching for La Llorona following. Uh, the incident with Susan Smith and and after hearing the story herself all all throughout her childhood she grew fascinated by it and began spending years searching for sightings of La Llorona. Uh, Bernadine started her search for La Llorona in 1998 initially believing that this ghost is from her own hometown in New Mexico and soon discovers that La Llorona's reign of terror has blazed across all Latin America and the United States. 
In the end, Bernadine spends five years, spent five years searching for La Llorona across the Americas, interviewing people who believed that they had seen her and heard her, collecting music, poems, and artwork dedicated to her, collaborating with historians and Jungian uh, psychologists who study La Llorona as a cultural phenomenon and a universal female archetype. Bernadine create, created a community website with some of the findings she has discovered about La Llorona. Uh, to, to date, the website LaLlorona.com has been visited by millions and is being used by numerous schools and colleges across the United States as a, as a learning tool today. For those uh, looking to... Uh, Talk about uh, her legend and look for her legend. In June of 2001, another woman drowned her five children, ages six months to seven years, in the bathtub of her suburban home in Houston, Texas. This woman went by the name of Andrea Yates. And shortly before killing her children, Yates claimed that she heard voices telling her to drown them all. In March of 2002, Andrea Yates was convicted of capital murder and sentenced to life in prison. October of 2002, a woman named Bernadine Flores drowned her two children as well as herself in a river named Pilar, New Mexico. Bernadine did not let these things escape her notice. And in 2003, she wrote a script about La Llorona and titled it The Cry, a contemporary supernatural thriller that includes much of the factual discoveries about La Llorona that she came across in her search and much of the folklore that she came across, including various tellings of the tale dating back all the way to the 1500s, much of which we've already talked about. Now, the film itself, for those of you interested, and it's very interesting, uh, this is one of those scenarios that I find particularly interesting about uh, mythology is when it becomes so interwoven into our culture that it's, it becomes, it's, that it takes on a life of its own. And this is a primary example of how a story can take on a life of its own. This is incredible. The film is shot in New York City and in northern New Mexico. And Bernadine learns only a few days before shooting that the key scene where La Llorona drowns her child at the river location she had selected is the same place that Bernadine Flores drowned her two children and herself. Um, in May 2005, of 2005, Brooke Shields' book, Down Came the Rain, My Journey Through Postpartum Depression, was published uh, and becomes a part of this, uh, becomes a part of this uh, film. Uh, the Cry, uh, it was in post-production at this time, 2006 to 2007. In March of 2006, Claudia, the post-production manager for The Cry, uh, claimed to have had a freak experience at work where tears of blood drip out of her eyes. In The Cry, La Llorona says, Sisters, you're like me. Your fingers will scrape the bottom of the river searching for your child and you will cry tears of blood. On May of 2006, 
A screen test of a near-complete version of the cry is held in Santa Fe, New Mexico, where close to 2,000 people stood in line for hours in the hope of attending the showing, and a second unscheduled screening was held to accommodate the crowd, and the cry is overwhelmingly well-received. In 2006, a Texas jury overturned uh, Andrea. In July of 2006, Andrea Yates' capital murder conviction is overturned, declared not guilty by reasons of insanity, and committed to the North Texas State Hospital. By the end of the year 2006, the cry is completed, and meanwhile, Bernadine. Uh, receiving, we began to receive numerous emails and phone calls from people throughout the U.S. who have heard of the Santa Fe test screening of the cry, who now want to see the film. And now, today in the United States, an estimated 28 to 35 8 million Hispanics have grown up with either stories of La Llorona, uh, with this con- with this vengeful ghost considered by many to be the Latino world's best kept secret, and the majority of these believers are located in California, Texas, Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico, and Illinois. That is quite the spread of people who talked about this story. Uh, the film itself, The Cry, is in distribution negotiations still. Uh, and Bernadine herself, the director uh, and researcher for the film, uh, continues. Uh, to believe that La Llorona is based on some actual event and that she has some influence. Uh, Bernadine cites all these murders uh, in her in her document. And this, this film is shot as a sort of thriller-slash-documentary. Um, and Bernadine, the director of this film, has said... Uh, Bernard, this is this is Bernard, Bernadine Santos uh first feature film, uh, and she has said that she believes fully that La Llorona is not only based on on some on an actual person that this legend is not only based on an actual person, but that this uh, this entity still has influence today. At her sight, she she believes fully that La Llorona is real. Uh, now, La Llorona has been referred to as a spirit. She's been referred to uh, as a ghost. Uh, she's been referred to as a bruja. Uh, if you don't know what a bruja is, what a bruja is, it's a witch. Um, she's been called a great many things. Um, Uh, La Llorona has also been referred to as a siren, said to lure uh, unfaithful men to their deaths. Uh, depending on the variations of the tale, she's gone by many different names. Uh, in the case of the spirit of La Llorona becoming a siren, uh, she's believed to have been a woman named Laura, uh, who was incredibly attractive from a humble background, uh, who became uh who worked diligently to help her family. Before uh, falling prey to a man who seduced her, did her wrong, and in her grief she drowned herself, coming back to torment uh, men with loose morals.
Uh, La Llorona again. Uh, she's also been said in again. These are the various. I'm going through various uh, variations of the tale. Uh, she's also been referred to as the Ramada. Uh, comes from a uh, comes from a Spanish word translating to harlot. Uh, Lint supposedly, uh, and these are various uh, tellings of the tale. Everybody has a different version. Uh, in this particular version, she's the, she is the spirit of a woman named who grew up in a tough part of town, tender age to use what she had to get what she wanted. Uh, and as a single mother, she worked as a waitress and was growing tired of her dead-end life. On one of her evening shifts, she met a man named Alejandro, uh, a sexy man with a decent job who was an easy target. She knew how to please men and easily seduced him. She soon brought up the idea of getting married. And Alejandro told her he couldn't marry because there were always prying eyes looking at him. He was a man of, of a certain regard that couldn't be afford, couldn't afford to just simply marry a woman that he barely knew. Uh, since Alejandro had always avoided being around uh, their child, uh, young Linda immediately thought her child was standing between her and her new life. One week later, her child was found drowned in a river, and shortly after the funeral, Linda again asked Alejandro about getting married now that she had taken care of things. Uh, Alejandro, of course, was uh, naturally horrified and told her that it, wa- it wasn't her baby uh, that had kept him from marrying her. It was his mother, and Linda began uh, screaming like a crazed animal. She grabbed a knife, and supposedly she killed Alejandro and herself to this day children playing near the river who hear her cries are said are are told to run away as fast as they can final iterations of this legend uh, it comes from the story of a virgin and we'll take a look at that as well and then I want to get down into the characteristics of La Llorona uh, because all these stories do have uh, some commonalities Uh, so uh, in this particular telling in the story, and I just love the fact that this has so many versions, uh, the spirit of La Llorona is said to also have possibly descended from the story of a woman named Maria, a virgin. Now, Maria is said to have lived with her parents in a small conservative community, an innocent and sincere young girl above all else, her father's pride and joy. And at the age of 15, something unusual happened. Maria would give birth to a young baby boy. And no one had even suspected she was pregnant. Her parents, especially her father, felt disgraced and betrayed. In this moment, he knew that a shotgun wedding was the only solution. But when asked who the father was, Maria claimed she had never been with a man. Finding this incredibly hard to believe, as one might, uh, since she just gave birth to a son um, out of nowhere, Maria's parents struggled to keep this baby a secret. One night when Maria was sleeping, her father quietly entered her room and took the child. He carried the helpless bundle to a nearby river and threw him in it. Maria would wake up screaming, sensing that something terrible had happened. She ran out and saw her father headed back to the house, and by the time she had reached the river, it was too late for not only for the baby, but also for her, as blood began pouring out of her body. 
Maria left only a small trail of blood beside the river. Shortly after her disappearance, people in the community started seeing apparitions of a young girl holding a baby, rocking back and forth with dark hair in her eyes, weeping. And to this day, people fear the sight of La Llorona. So all of these stories tell us there is something fearsome about La Llorona to this to the people to the Hispanic people. This is a and we look at this story and it's not only fascinating and terrifying all at the same time, no matter which iteration of the story you get, but um, you look at this story and you can't help but see the relation between this story and some of the and some of the uh, stories of uh, of Eastern Europe. Uh, you look at stories of the Ruzulka, uh, and you look at stories uh, from Ireland, such as the Selkies. Um, you look at uh, sirens of Greece. Uh, you look at the banshee uh, of Ireland uh, and Scotland and Wales, and the weeping woman is is up there as as this terrifying being. But uh, one thing, no matter what iteration of the story you're looking at, uh, one thing is for sure: La Llorona is always appears as a weeping woman, a woman with dark hair, uh, wearing white. Uh, and this this wearing of white signifies a few things. Now, for many people, white is a symbol of purity, uh, but it's also uh, it also hints at this spiritual, at this sense of the spirit, this idea that uh, spirits lack, uh, you know, they lack that um, colorful, you know, they're they're pale. They're in the background. They're they're an outline of what they former formerly were. They're a shell of of a living thing, uh, and this wearing of white uh, sort of signifies this otherworldly nature that's that's associated with it. Now, what's interesting about La Llorona, uh, and if you you kind of tag this to uh, the Irish stories of the Banshee, the Banshee, of course, being a uh, being the spirit of a of, of a widow or the spirit of a uh, young maiden who died prematurely or perhaps um, you know perhaps uh, suddenly and weeping underneath the the window of someone's house predicting the death of a family member or foretelling doom. Um, the weeping woman is sort of like that, right? Uh, she she appears before people, uh, except uh, and weeps, and one might say she is a foreteller of doom. Except that La Llorona is much more active uh, than some of the spirits we 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 talk about in these other cultures. Uh, we, whereas you have uh, things like the siren. The siren specifically is sort of aimed towards men, and you know. Their song is a it, it seduces and encourages you to come closer, only for you to come to your doom. Uh, whereas La Llorona plays on a much uh, much more 
uh, dangerous uh, emotion, in my opinion, than uh, than lust, perhaps. Uh, and that is that La Llorona plays on your sympathies. Uh, you see somebody weeping and you want to help them. But La Llorona, uh, this story encourages you to keep right on walking. Uh, you see a weeping woman near a river or you see a re- weeping woman anywhere and you're kind of just like, no, I've seen this before. I know what's going to happen. You're going to grab me and you're going to drown me. Um, and, you know, this is similar kind of to the story of the Ruzalka, uh in Eastern Europe in which, you know, you know, you have young young people, you know, perhaps playing too close to the river late at night. Anything can happen. You can drown. You know, anything could happen to you. Uh, but uh, you see similar stories. Uh, you know, the result of uh, is a story of of a, of a water spirit that uh, takes on the form of a beautiful uh, maiden and in, and beckons to young men to come closer so that she can grab them into the water and drown them. Uh, similar uh, in this way um, is La Llorona, except La Llorona uh, prays. You know, depending on the variation of the tale, she preys on mostly children uh, and preys on them no matter what gender they are. Uh, she just kind of snatches them up. Uh, what's particularly interesting about La Llorona is she's almost like a plague on the community itself. It's almost as though no matter what telling of the story, she is sort of a she's sort of a vengeance. Uh, she, she's sort of a, a living incarnation of vengeance in spite uh, for the society that kind of put her in the position that she's in, you look at uh, you look at this uh, situation with La Llorona. Uh, La Llorona is in a position. Uh, no matter which telling of the story you have, whether it's the Virgin, whether it's the Harlot, whether it's the Bruja, whether it's uh, whether it's a uh, a young woman, uh, you know, left. Uh, with unrequited love or whether whether it's this original, you know, this older tale that people tell about Cortez having an affair. And, and of course, for those of you not familiar uh, with Mexican uh, culture and Mexican history, uh, you know, there are un, there are so many stories. I mean, there is a new there is are there are innumerable stories about uh, relationships between the conquistadors and Cortez is one of the most thrown around names that there is uh, because he is probably the, you know, he is sort of the prototypical go-to guy when it comes to conquistadors, because of course, uh, you know, he is attributed as being one of the major reasons why a lot of these empires, uh, you know, a lot of the, you know, empires such as the Aztecs or Mayans fell apart. Um, You know, he's this integral role in this, um, plays this integral role in all of this uh, with the Aztecs. And so in times, I feel that, um, you know, the, with the way that uh, politics and the way that we we uh, tackle things socially, we tend to forget uh, how rich the, the Hispanic culture is. And I don't know why uh, this is, but, you know, for some reason, those of us uh, in other parts of the United States that are, you know, not, you know, I'm fortunate, I think, to have been exposed to so much of this culture, uh, being, you know, growing up much of my life in Texas, I got to hear a lot of these stories, uh, and, and sense, and you get the sense of, you know, when you, when you hear these stories, it's, it's a lot different than hearing the ghost stories that your mommy and daddy told you. Um, if you've never met anybody 
uh, from one of from this from the Spanish uh, one of the Spanish speaking communities and heard one of these stories. They don't tell these stories uh, in the same way that we tell stories about the boogeyman uh, or stories, you know, about grumpkins or whatever elves and gnomes and Santa Claus. Uh, for many people within the Hispanic culture, these stories are quite real. Uh, and growing up with people whose parents were telling them about La Llorona or growing up with people whose parents were telling them stories about haunted places, parents told you these stories and they meant these stories. Um, they were told these stories as if they were real. And it wasn't a question of reality. They the thing that's particularly great about a story like La Llorona is so many people believe this story is real and it's the way that they're being told the story. It, there's not a caveat when they're being told the story. They're not being told, okay, be a good little boy or La Llorona is going to get you. Uh, and then, you know, mom and dad go off in the corner and snicker about it. Uh, that's not the way this story is being sort of passed down, if you will. It's not like this sort of tongue-in-cheek story. Now, you know, in more in a more contemporary sense, I'm sure there are a lot of people that don't necessarily believe that La Llorona is real. Uh, but just even just so, there are still people uh, who tell this story or tell variations of this story, and they mean it. Uh, and there's something to be said for that. Uh, when we tell a story, uh, when when we look at mythology, when we look at uh, folklore, oftentimes we're looking for a lesson. We're looking for, you know, what what what's important about this? Why why tell this story? Uh, now, clearly, this one, uh, it, it, depending on the variation of the tale, it's got it, it could have multiple meanings. It could have multiple. Uh, lessons that you can learn. Fascinating about La Llorona is how many different variations of the tale there are, but how uh, La Llorona, her appearance just, and her actions basically stay the same. She continuously haunts these areas, and she is a spirit that just terrifies people uh, because of the potential for what she can do. Uh, and in the and, and in these tellings of the story, you know, there's always this sense of dread that you know that once you've laid eyes on La Llorona, it's time to, it's time to get the hell out of there. It's time to run. Uh, there's no sense of, oh, you know, I can make it through this. I can get away from this. I can, there's no sense of that. When you hear these stories about La Llorona, there's no sense of sort of a happy ending. There's no sense of, a, oh, okay. Yeah, I can, you know, it's not like uh, this. some of the stories we've tackled in the past where you have, uh, you know, we, where you have, you know, it's not like El Chupacabra where it's, you know, something that, oh, okay, well, it's going to get my livestock. Yeah, that'd be a problem. Uh, or maybe it might bite me or something. Uh, but, oh, you know, that's way over there. I don't have to worry about it. Or, uh, you know, it only comes out at night or it only appears here and I don't have to worry about it. Uh, the thing that's particularly interesting and terrifying at the same time with La Llorona is the persistence of La Llorona, uh, the legacy of La Llorona, where you have stories uh, like El Chupacabra, which are sort of recent. Uh, they call, you know, 1995 and, and is, is the earliest sighting supposedly of El Chupacabra and the story just keeps going. Uh, and then now it's kind of died down. The sort of mania of El Chupacabra has sort of died down. Uh, La Llorona is so persistent uh, she's like, 
the stories of vampires and werewolves we've been telling ourselves for so long. She's just not going anywhere. Uh, and it's, it's, it's so fascinating that she has sort of not only persisted, but it's almost as though uh, people are just so fascinated by this story that they just keep telling it. Um, and, you know, you can say, well, that, you know, maybe people tell it to preserve culture. Uh, and that is cer- certainly, uh, certainly likely true. Uh, there's probably definitely this desire to preserve, preserve uh, the culture. But I, if you're not, uh, if you, if you haven't heard this story told to you, if you haven't had this story told to you, uh, it's, it's it's something frightful. Uh, and you know, today, of course, obviously, I did tell you guys, uh, you know, variations of the story. Um, but there's so many uh, tellings of the tellings of the story that it's just it's it's something that's alive and well. It's not going anywhere. And I think that speaks. Uh, volumes about La Llorona as not only a as not only a uh, a story but as sort of a legacy of Hispanic culture uh, in that you know it, it's so widespread it's a story that it I mean you know I talked about it it's being to- it's been told in California it's been told in Mexico and parts of Central America it's been told in Colorado and and New Mexico and Arizona and Illinois and I mean, this is in Texas, and it's that's a wide swath. It's, I mean, there's even uh, recorded. There's even people who've recorded uh, sightings, supposedly, of La Llorona or tellings of the story of La Llorona, all the way up to Montana. That is a wide swath of this country, in which we have populations who were telling this story or a variation of it, uh, and that is just. That is just ama- amazing. Uh, if you don't think that's amazing, uh, you don't understand uh, the implications socially of of this phenomena. Because you know this is on this is almost on par with stories of Bigfoot. I mean, it really is. It's really almost on par with stories of Bigfoot. You know, when we talk about uh, you know. Uh, Latin American monsters, most people immediately go to El Chupacabra. And I would argue that you're ma- that they're making a humongous mistake uh, by assuming that that's sort of the end-all, be-all, that that's sort of the go-to uh, being that, you know, uh, Spanish-speaking peoples uh, or people of, of Latin American descent or people of uh, Hispanic descent are really pointing to as this cultural uh, phenomena, as this as this really terrifying entity within their culture. We look at story of La Llorona as far back as it's being traced, and as widespread the telling of the story, the many different variations and twists on the story uh, to sort of suit uh, one's personal needs, and it just sort of fits La Llorona. They just sort of make her fit uh, into the situation uh, that it calls for. When you look at a story like this. You can see that it's got it's had it's it's had a tremendous impact on this culture. It's become ingrained in the culture, uh, and that speaks to not only the popularity of the story, but it also speaks to uh, the staying power that a story can have. 
you know, we look, we've looked at a lot of different mythology uh, in, with this show. We've looked at a lot of different stories and a lot of different legends. But this story is one that I have to say it really does take the cake as far as a story that has true staying power. Because it's not only a story that's, you know, sort of been traced back quite a ways. I mean, and it has it's been traced back uh, at least a couple centuries, uh, depending on, you know, which variations of the tale you're tracing. But not only has it had that kind of staying power, it's still being told. People are still tell- telling it. And there is a tremendous number of people who are li- who are still fascinated by it and are trying to keep it alive and are trying to, uh, you know, trying to get a film made, trying to get people to share their experience, encouraging people to not only tell this story, but to share their experience, to share how it's impacted them. And and so influential is the story of La Llorona that people are tying it to current events. That people are saying, look at what this person did. Look at this awful thing that this person did. They're just like La Llorona. They did the same thing that she did. And, you know, as terrible as it is that, you know, I, you know, I talked about these uh, court cases uh, today where, where we had women who, you know, drowned their children. And as awful as that is, and it is terrible, that is awful. As awful as that is, I find it incredibly fascinating that the first thing so many people did was say, she's just like La Llorona. That is terrifying. That tells you how impactful this story has been when somebody does something that atrocious to another human being, when somebody takes the time to kill their own child, and the first thing that people jump to is, I heard this story before. That is staying power for a story that is terrifying. That is a figure we should be looking at and being afraid of. Uh, You know, of all the sorts of boogeymen out there, what could be scarier than a spirit that preys on children Uh, with the smash and, and and I'll, and I'm going to, I'm going to tie this down to even more, you know, I'm going to take this a step further. I want to, I want to take it a step further. We just saw the recent box office success of Stephen King's It, reimagined uh, by by uh, Andy Machete uh, and Bill Skarsgård and, and a phenomenal cast. If you haven't seen that film, I, I would recommend it. Uh, you know, free plug, there you go. Uh, but we just saw this movie shatter the box office. And what is it about? It's based on a novel about children combating an interdimensional being that preys on children. And what would La Llorona be considered? Because spirits are, they're interdimensional. 
and we're not really sure where spirits go. There's all this, this that we we've all we've all got our own opinions on where people go when they die, right? But one thing is for sure. Uh, no matter what uh, no matter what form of afterlife you choose, it's definitely not here, right? It's definitely not our realm of existence. The living, the world of the living is not the same as the world of the dead. For most cultures uh, that have a realm of the dead, it's not the same as the realm of the living. It's very clear. It's a different place. And dead things are supposed to stay in that different place. But La Llorona is not staying there. She's roaming around, forcing us to share the realm of the living with her. And she's preying on life itself. She is attacking us at our most vulnerable point. And we see this film, the smash box office hit that was it, about an interdimensional being that spends its time preying not only on children, but on fear. Bayerona does the exact same thing. Her story has survived as long as it has out of fear. People tell this story because it scares the hell out of them. It scares the hell out of the kids, and it scares the hell out of them. Because the thing that scares us is that we can't protect the most vulnerable people amongst us in our community. The thing that scares us most, those things that act where we cannot see them, the predators that prey on the vulnerable out of sight and out of mind. And La Llorona speaks to that fear better than almost any being we've ever had in any culture across our world. She attacks us not only at our most vulnerable, but she does so out of reach of safety. She removes the safety net. She gets us in. She isolates us. She gets us away from where we're supposed to be safe because the only way that you encounter La Llorona is where? By yourself. In the lonely places. In the places you're not supposed to be. But we all know that children always go where they're not supposed to be. And that's why La Llorona has been around as long as it has. That's why this story has been told so many times. That's why this story is not going anywhere. That's why we see the success of films like it, because prey on that very pri- that very primal fear that we have, that there's going to be somebody or something that's waiting for us in the dark parts of the world, that that's waiting for us at our most vulnerable, that's watching our children, that's waiting for them to leave us waiting for them to leave safety. La Llorona is the kind of story that tension to their child. If we look at some of the major themes in this story, whether you tackle it from the point of neglect 
in the case of the of one variation of the story of La Llorona, the woman uh, in question neglects her children and they drown as a consequence. Uh, or even in the case of the virgin, she falls asleep, uh, her baby goes missing, she finds out that her dad killed it. That is far more terrifying, I think, to a mother uh, than it would be to a child. But it's the stories involving La Llorona weeping next to a river. And just picture what appears to be a broken woman by herself. She, on her face, appears to be incredibly vulnerable. And yet, she couldn't be more of a predator because she's playing the game. And the game that she's playing is, I will act vulnerable. I will lure you close. And once you get close, you're mine. That is the true terror of, of, this, of this entity. That is why this story is so particularly terrifying and frightening because it plays on not only our fear of isolation, but it, pl- it preys on our fear that we can't trust people. We can't trust what we see with our eyes. We have to be careful because things aren't what they seem. I get too close to this weeping woman. She may be a demon and not just some vulnerable lady in need of my help. She could kill me. And in every case, uh, in every telling of the story of La Llorona, once someone gets close, it's always the close to La Llorona to see if La Llorona is okay. That she snatches them and you can't get away. She, once she gets her hands on you, you're dead. You don't, you don't hear stories of people escaping La Llorona when they get close. The stories you hear of people escaping are people that run as soon as they see her. Those are the stories that you hear. People that say, yeah, no. Seen this before, not going there. But it's the sympathetic souls and those that don't listen that get caught by La Llorona. I think that's really what what makes La Llorona such an intimidating story is that really you, you look at you look at it from either point of view either either you're in a vulnerable position because of where you are because you've allowed yourself to be isolated you're out where you're not supposed to be or you let sympathy you let your better nature get the better of you you trust too much and it costs you. I hope you guys have enjoyed uh, this telling of La Llorona. I hope you guys have enjoyed learning a little bit about a different culture. I recommend a few things for you guys to take a look at. Uh, if you're interested, take a look at uh, the website Legends of America. We've got a tremendous article on La Llorona, the weeping woman of the Southwest. Of course, uh, 
I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, the website, um, The Cry, uh, Uh But if you type in The Cry, you will find it, uh, a fil- the film by uh, Bernadine Santisteban uh, that I talked about and uh, sort of her, her journey of research, where she, where she went and got her information, uh, you know, how much time she spent. She spent a great deal of time looking into it. Uh, the source material, it's really interesting uh, read, so I would take a look at that. Definitely worth your time. Of course, if you're looking for some books, uh, you can look at uh, the you can look at the book La Llorona, The Crying Woman by Rodolfo Anaya, uh, published in 2011. Uh, you can look at the book There Was a Woman by Domino Rene Pernez. Uh, published in 2008. Uh, look at the book La Llorona, The Weeping Woman by Joe Hayes. Uh, and finally, uh, Tears for La Llorona uh, by Patricia uh, Marcantonio. Marcantonio. Uh, so definitely take a look at all that. And finally, um, you may want to take a look at The Legend of La Llorona by Ray John de Aragon. Um, Lots and I mean, this just goes to show you, I mean, and there are just a number of other books uh, associated with La Llorona that have been written. So there's, you won't, you're not lacking in source material. There's a great number of books uh, detailing the various stories about La Llorona. There's a great number of places that you can look. And I think uh, in the future, there's going to be a great number of places yet uh, to look at for this story. So that's all I've got for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed the show. Catch you guys on Sunday with Straight Football Talk, of course. I've been your host, Dallas Big D Duclo, and I hope to see you all soon for Straight Football Talk on Sunday. And, of course, I'll be back next week. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.